0: And good morning, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Gensler on AM1030, KVOI, The Voice, Daily In-Depth News, conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Happy Hump Day. It is Wednesday here on the show. And to all of our listeners uh, and to Matt making the magic happen on the other side of the glass, happy Hump Day, Matt, unless you have a more significant day to celebrate on this Wednesday.
1: Well, uh, in honor of uh, Jeff Logson, Pastor Jeff being here, uh, donate a day's wages to charity day. Okay. Also for you, Zach, so that to justify <laughs> a trip over to a Decibel or a Little Love Burger, eat what you want day, and uh, National School Nurse Day.
0: Wow. Okay, it is. Thank uh, you for that. Well, the, 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 the theme continues. Um, and by the way, the voice you heard is our first guest this hour, Pastor Jeff. Uh, we'll, we'll bring Pastor Jeff in to the, uh, the kind of inside joke there. On Monday, uh, Matt informed me it was um, a memorial day for lost socks. In other words, uh, Monday was the day to finally move on from the socks that you have lost in the washing machine. Um, Yesterday was National Small Business Day, (laughs) and so today had to be something significant. I'm going to go, Matt, with eat whatever you want day. (laughs) That sounds like the most fun of all the options, although we do appreciate our teachers and nurses, that's for sure.
2: These are all paramount hallmark moments, of course.
0: (laughs) I just want to know where Matt gets these from, but I think that's a trade secret. So our listeners aren't going to know. I'm not going to know. I certainly don't know before I get into this seat.
2: I'm afraid to ask, or I'll be forced to celebrate them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Well, last week when you and I were together, it was uh, it was May the Fourth be with you. Yes. And uh, and you ended up going to I did to um,
2: t- Tucson Donut. T-
0: yeah. Donut bar. Donut bar. Yeah. Yeah. And your favorite donut was do or donut.
2: That's right. <laughs> Complete with the Yoda. Look. I, it might have even been the child, but yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Phenomenal donuts there for sure. If
2: you want a heart attack,
0: not a sponsor of the show, but they should be uh, after this. Maybe they will. They but, did say uh, thank you by the way. Wonderful. For the plug. Wonderful. I got I think I gotta give Matt credit for that one too. Um, but they they did it up for Star Wars. Man, that was. You showed me pictures, which aren't gonna mean anything to people listening. But you showed me pictures, and they did it up.
2: Stop by Donut Bar. Even today, the bathroom of all places <laughs> is adorned with all kinds of uh, Star Wars. Star Wars it. references.
0: I love it. Well, now we're warmed up, ready to go. Uh, Again, good morning to all of our listeners. Good morning to you, Pastor Jeff. Ruben Navarrete will be with us uh, at the end of the hour. A little bit of a different week, usually on the second Wednesdays of the month. Supervisor Steve Christie is with us, but he is in budget meetings today, so we wish him well. Um, we're probably having more fun today than he is, but well, sure we, we, are. we wish Supervisor Christie well. We'll catch him on the flip side. Uh, but uh, Ruben Navaretti will be with us kind of as usual on our Wednesday shows. But uh, I've been looking forward, Pastor Jeff, to having this conversation today. Um, our topic at the intersection of faith and culture, church and community um, is confession. And there's a really interesting reason why that... Um, started to formulate in your mind is something to talk about so let's set the stage Why are we talking about confession today
2: yeah as a church we've been talking about that if you want to reference our recording at Hope City church Tucson.com, you can do that both on our website and on facebook however in preparation for this last sunday i found myself down this crazy rabbit trail with a social media app that we'll refer to Mm. called whisper Mm. and so the question for the church was is this still relevant today what part does it play Mm. and looking at uh if you if you google online whisper there are these uh 17 billion monthly (laughs) page views for this social media app uh, where anonymous confessions occur. 250 million <laughs> monthly users across 187 countries. So it absolutely begs the question that people are, are looking for a place where mm-hmm. they can experience release, where they can experience some mm-hmm. um, freedom from some of those deep-seated mm-hmm. secrets that they may be keeping. Mm-hmm. Um, a search for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean to our emotional health, to our spiritual health as uh, mm-hmm. people?
0: Yeah, and some of these some of these confessions are are pretty wild, you know. I mean, I think you listed a few. Um, I hid my pregnancy from my loved ones, then placed my child up for adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, I've suffered ten miscarriages in the last four years. I get so bitter and jealous when my friends have babies that I avoid them. Here's a wild one. This is relevant to uh, your world. Sitting in Bible study with the father of my unborn. His wife and child. No one knows that I'm pregnant by him. Yeah, that's so I mean, true. I mean, you but listed real. a ton of these. So real, yeah. I mean, we talk about an app, but I mean, this is um, the, this is some this is a, an anonymous space where people mm-hmm. are feeling the need to confess some really hard stuff. Right, and some of it's quirky and fun. And it's meant to be edgy. Sure, people are on it for that. Um, but some of this stuff is real.
2: Yeah, things that you know. I, I remember sitting with a friend's father, and he was ill. I don't know if he felt like he was facing death, but he said to me as, as, as a, a son of sorts, there are secrets that I will take mm. to the grave to me, with me. And I wondered, wh- what is it like to feel that? And knowing my own journey with confession and the pain that mm. came from some of the things that I literally had to have someone say and then repeat after them because I didn't have the words to say it facing my own guilt, it was just like this weight was lifted Mm -hmm. from me, but, but that was just so hard to come by. So that gives rise to a platform Mm -hmm. like whisper or Yik Yak. Uh, there's, there's other apps Mm -hmm. that are like that post secret -Secret. Mm -hmm. that allow people to have a preliminary place, a forum, Mm -hmm. if you will, to begin, uh, Mm -hmm. releasing some of those things.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I thought it was interesting when you brought this up to me, because I think that Again, seventeen billion monthly monthly page views, two hundred fifty million monthly users. There's a demand, yeah. to have spaces for this. And uh, confession is not usually a topic that I think people want to talk about, but it's something that they want to do. Right, um, it's interesting.
2: Well, yeah, the church has distorted that. It's been quite dysfunctional in the ways that, you know, people have embraced confession in the history of the church. It's, I'm going to confess before I do the act. Mm -hmm. Or then the church turns around and sells indulgences or confessions uh, to make a profit off of it so the church I think is to blame for a lot of the, mm. the the disconnect when it comes to that but people are still searching for that outlet or that avenue and really the ultimate goal is that release from those things that are burdening us mm. and keeping us from fully experiencing relationships with people we care about, relationships with God. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I, let, let's maybe go to uh, our first break on that note because I think on the other side now that we've said, hey, this is evidently a need, people are posting some crazy stuff on anonymous confession sites. What does is, what is healthy confession uh, look like? Um, and how is the church yes. a part of that? So we'll talk about we'll that. We'll dig into that. We'll dig into that on the other side. We're just getting started here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser, and we're with our faith and culture contributor, pastor jeff loxton when we come back a little further in the show ruben navarrete will be with us he's the most widely read latino columnist syndicated across many platforms uh, that you would recognize and we're going to talk about uh why uh, do people not trust the media and he's been in the media so we'll talk about that on the other side don't go anywhere we'll be right back
1: local news and talk 1030 The Voice Is your 8th or ninth grader looking for a hands-on learning program that includes lots of art? Then Desert Sage School, a new tuition-free public charter high school at 3434 East Broadway, is for you. Desert Sage is innovative and is now enrolling 9th and 10th graders for the upcoming school year. Go to DesertSageSchool.org, where the first 125 students to register will be accepted. Desert Sage is the first public Waldorf-inspired charter high school in Southern Arizona, where teachers genuinely listen to and care for each student's unique gifts.
0: Get your child enrolled today at DesertSageSchool.org. We'll i Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson, located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater. Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, little hot dogs, ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their B on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love?
3: Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell, but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like, with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. Offer.com.
1: With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 Night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at FCTucson.com and Let's Pack Kino Stadium this season. That's FCTucson.com.
0: And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona, live here out of the Common Workspace Studios. We're with our faith and culture contributor, Pastor Jeff Loxton. Uh, Much has happened, as you've noted, uh, pastor behind closed doors as the events of the past few years get kind of further and further in our rearview mirror. Uh, And the topic you're bringing today is confession. One might say, is that passé? Is that old school? Uh, Is there a place for that in my regular life? And... um, the the kind of direction you took, which I thought was interesting, <clears throat> was looking at social media apps like Whisper, Yik Yak, Post Secret. Whisper alone has seventeen billion monthly page views, two hundred fifty million monthly users, one hundred eighty seven countries. Um, people are using these anonymous platforms to share some crazy confessions. <laughs> um, some of them are meaning to be extreme and out there, and some you can tell. Um, really, need to get some things off their chest and release it to somebody, albeit anonymously. So, I think, yes, regular people, <laughs> people listening, are looking for venues to say, hey, here's some things that I'm only going to trust certain people to share, but I need to tell somebody. So, uh, to start, um, certainly from your world, the church perspective, why does confession exist? Why does it matter? day to day.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a biblical framework for that for those from the faith community. Uh, James uh, shares, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other specifically so that you may be healed. Uh, John uh, is another person who walked with Jesus and he shares if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Ultimately, we talked about the first segment, the need Mm. that we have to want to be released from those things that are burdening us or weighing on us because of either poor, cho- poor choices we've made or things other people have done to us that have put us in a place of, of, of paralysis mm-hmm.
0: so so um, so uh, the, 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 the other thing that I think is interesting then we'll, we'll move on to what is finding that right person look like um, but I think our culture um, has told us for a while that the the things that you do against somebody else or against community, if the broader community doesn't know that it happened, then it's okay. say <laughs> the I,
2: argument. Like if 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 the tree falls in the forest and no one was around to hear it, right. did it make a noise? Right. Yeah. I mean, the issues are not only there, but the repercussions are pervasive, and it has a ripple effect in the community. And mm-hmm. And there's room for people to push back, but the reality is the mm-hmm. effects are there, and they're there in, in a deep sort of way. Mm-hmm. So it begs the question, uh, is there a place for true confession to mm-hmm. allow someone to heal?
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: the cynic probably would question that.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I think the picture that a lot of people have around confession might be, I think this is in the Catholic tradition, Mm -hmm. where there's kind of a confessional. I'm not an expert on this, but there were these moments and these spaces Mm -hmm. where people could come in and tell a uh, leader, Mm -hmm. uh, a faith leader, hey, you know, you've told me that if I come in here and tell you, it won't go anywhere, i got to tell somebody. Right. I want to tell you. Can you pray for me?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? I don't think other traditions within the Christian faith have that same physical and routine level. But if we use that as a picture, how can regular people kind of create those safe spaces to walk through a confession process?
2: Yeah, so I... Rather
0: than going on Whisper (laughs) and being anonymous, because that's happening.
2: It's worth saying, again, I don't come from a traditional church background, didn't grow up in the church, uh, um, didn't experience these things in the way someone else who maybe grew up in that environment did. Uh, but I'm thankful for the ways that God created those environments for me. And I think the cynicism around confession probably relates much like uh, marriage or finding a good counselor or a mentor that you have a connection, a soul connection with. Is It takes time to find that person <laughs> or that relationship that truly is going to hear the things that... I need to get off my chest and love me for who I am. Mm. And, and it's worth being cynical about that. Mm-hmm. I was one of those like dividing lines for me at a solitude retreat where I was asking God, look, I've done a lot of really bad things. Is there a human being in the flesh that would love me no matter what after they've heard these things? Mm. And it was in that moment where there was this divine insight about my wife now, Heather, and. True to form, like, she heard all those things about wow. me and was like, I do, I do, I love you regardless. Was this before? Before I even met her.
0: So, so this is before you were married. Yeah. She was your confession partner?
2: I wouldn't say a confession partner, and I'm kind of mincing... Uh, um, rules here, but, yeah. but certainly you would want your spouse or or your loved one uh, to be able to hear those things about you and to love you for who you are. Uh, this is all a delicate balance, but I, I guess my point is that it is possible to have that relationship with someone apart from a spouse, apart from a mentor that you can truly confide in and they mm-hmm. would be a listening ear and someone who would be supportive of you, a champion for you and your goals, your mm-hmm. spiritual journey, um, in in this area of confession,
0: for sure, yeah, yeah, and I think it's been it's interesting too because I think you want to be open with your spouse or relationship partner, but the person that you may want to walk through some of these challenges with may not be that person. Correct. It, that that you know, I think it often makes sense to look outside, yes. like the direct kind of most intimate relationships that you have. Right. um, That person may not be one and the same. So what do you look for when you're looking for a person who... You know, besides Pastor Jeff, I think, I think you'd be, <laughs> it you'd be have a to good be person a for anybody listening. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have to be a pastor. No. But what do you look for? But
2: somebody who is uh, a compassionate, uh, understanding, empathetic, someone who has common sense, mm. that's able to hear the things that you're sharing and to give you some direction. Uh, certainly someone who's able to keep confidentiality and it's not going to take your mm-hmm. stuff yep. and spread it to other people. So it's bouncing back to you. Um, spiritual maturity, uh, someone who, who is integral, mm. their inside and outside match, and, and um, someone who embodies wisdom, Uh, Wisdom is truly knowledge applied. So it's not that they know what to say, but they actually live it out, kind of reinforces that spiritual maturity. And this last one that's really interesting to me is someone that has a sense of humor. Uh, Scripture talks about uh, laughter is like good medicine. So someone I'm sharing with, I'm not looking for intensity or someone who's going to beat me over the head with it, but can help me see the lighter side of myself and life and help me work through these circumstances. Ultimately, if I'm able to laugh at myself and my shortcomings it's a step towards healing in a different vein
0: mm-hmm. right yeah you know I, I think this is um you know i think this is completely different but i would imagine like a, a partner through a alcoholics anonymous group mm-hmm. like a that i think you could think about someone like that and there's those six or seven a sponsor you know, a sponsor sure. or six or seven qualities sure um but uh yeah this is this is interesting. Anything else to add Pastor Jeff as we kind of close this out?
2: Yeah, no. I think the call, the call to action for our listeners is: Do you have that safe person that you're able to confide in, that you're mm-hmm. able to confess to, and what does it look like in your in your meetings mm-hmm. or your interactions with them? It doesn't have to be super structured, but to be able to find that mm-hmm. friend that's going to care about you and your mm-hmm. personal growth, no matter what, I think is mm-hmm. uh, certainly something worth fighting for and holding on to, especially if you found them.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's been interesting because um, some of this can come across as prescriptive.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, But I think the fact that in your research you found that people are actively using anonymous platforms to confess things Mm -hmm. shows that most people are attuned to getting things off their chest. right? But doing it anonymously alone you know, doesn't quite help tackle the underlying issues or help create the healing. It can be therapeutic in the moment. Sure. Um, But this process is, hey, let's address it. Let's heal uh, and let's move forward.
2: It's a step in the right direction, I found when I've had the opportunities to confess with people that are in the flesh in front of me, my my propensity to want to do that thing again, knowing I'm going to see them is mm-hmm. going to be greatly diminished because they're lovingly asking me, how are you doing with that mm-hmm. struggle? And, and I think therein lies the transformation or the opportunity for change in a positive direction.
0: Sounds good. Well, I think the most direct application to Pastor Jeff is if anybody is listening and goes, yeah, I'd rather not... Uh, Head to Whisper, Yik Yak, or Post Secret Day. Some of our listeners are going, what the heck does that even mean? But <laughs> symbolically, yeah, I'd love to sit down with somebody and say, hey, this is on my chest. I got to get it off. I got to deal with it and figure out how to move forward. If someone wants to reach out to you as that person, how do we how do we find you off the air?
2: Sure. You can find me at uh, com, or you can give me a call at 951-313-6173. Mm-hmm.
0: Got it. Pastor Jeff, thank you as always. We talk at the intersection of faith and culture, church and community as our faith and culture contributor. Uh, we'll see you on the flip side and uh, happy eat whatever you want day.
2: Thank you. <laughs> Take you up on that.
0: <laughs> when we come back to you, son, a few thoughts from me and then we'll chat with Ruben Navarrete. Why do people not trust the media anymore? His thoughts as someone in the media. We'll be right back.
3: Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell, but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like, with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash offer When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen
0: to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA.
4: Helping you make better money decisions is what The Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice.
0: And we're back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona live out of the Common Workspace Studios. Good morning to you. My name is Zach Genser. I'm your host. You're listening to Tipping Point with my, with Zach Genser on 10:30 the Voice. Wow, that was a mouthful. Uh, happy Hump Day. Also, it's Wednesday. Also, it is Eat Whatever You Want Day. Right, Matt? Is that did I say it right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, if listeners uh, want to celebrate. Uh, eat wherever they want day do you have any suggestions of a great uh, comfort food place that people should go i think a hamburger and a milkshake would be real nice i think so too and i think they can find it at little love burger which opened downtown last fall serving up the juiciest burgers loaded hot dogs have ice cream milkshakes local brews and breakfast sandwiches you can follow them on social media, at Little Love Burger, and mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a 15, one five percent discount off your next order. So go celebrate Tucson, and also southern Arizona. Come on up to Tucson, go to <laughs> Little Love Burger, uh, and celebrate. Eat whatever you want, day. They make a darn good chili burger, Zach. I can vouch for that. They do. Isn't that what you had the last time you went? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it had been a while since you had had one, right? That's not usually your go-to on the a menu. The last time
1: but, I had uh, had one was at Tommy's Burgers in L.A. So okay. that's, that's how long ago that
0: was. Wow. And you you took a, you took a little risk and you tried it at uh, LLB, yeah, and right. it treated you right.
1: Very good. Yes, absolutely.
0: That's awesome. Um, so there you go, Tucson. You have our permission. Eat whatever uh, you want, Dave. Uh, in a minute, Ruben Navarrete will be with us. He's the most widely read Uh, Latino columnist in the country, Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, uh, to prevent further erosion of the public's trust, the media tasked with refereeing gladiator matches has to stay out of the arena, Ruben Navarrete's thoughts. Why people don't trust the media, maybe it's because journalism and advocacy gets blended Um, in ways that aren't helpful on both the left and the right. But we'll talk about it with Ruben Navarrete. Uh, A few minutes here uh, from me. Uh, I have had some interesting conversation after um, talking with some people about this interesting piece where the Tucson's Teamster Union released a letter um, on May 1st asking for an end to fare free transit. And I mentioned this on Monday, I've since learned, and I haven't been able to dig in any further, but I have heard um, that the Teamsters Union actually didn't develop this position and vote on this position. Um, so, is this a union statement, or is this a few frustrated bus drivers sharing something um, with the city council and with uh, transit and transportation? On behalf of the Tucson Teamster Union, it's it's a little bit uh, unclear um, at this point, but I thought that was interesting. Um, regardless, I put something up on my social media, and I said, "Look, you know, I think that there can be a reasonable business case, even uh, for continuing with fair free transit in the city of Tucson, but it requires." An emphasis on how does transit move us between um, activities that grow the sales tax base that requires uh, discretionary ridership, and if riders don't want to get on buses because um, of the assaults happening, vandalism incidents happening, so on and so forth, um, then we can't really have a bigger picture conversation. And it's been interesting because there's been some pushback on that, not just on my post, but citywide on saying, hey. Uh, uh, uh correlating fares and safety is disingenuous and dangerous i've heard that uh and some have noted who rode the bus uh rode buses before covid um look there were still these issues you still knew which bus lines to use you knew which ones were going to be um you know um you know f- uh, uh, uh used by uh, individuals who are um you know, struggling with uh, a variety of issues. Um, But the number, the the, the data is still telling me a story, regardless of was this a teamster position? Well, was it not? Was this an individual uh, or an organization? Was it safe before COVID? Is it safe now? Assaults on drivers and riders have tripled uh, between 2019 and 2021. There was 21 incidents pre-COVID and 64 incidents after, while the number of vandalism incidents Uh, increased to 146, more than double what it was um, before fares uh, were paused, correlation um, or causation. I think we can get into the weeds um, and have the argument, but uh, a friend of mine put it really well. If we're going to use terms like equitable transportation, uh, if we're going to use words like sustainable multimodal, Um, if we're going to use words like uh, transit for everyone, if we're going to have these values as a community, uh, we have to address the safety concerns and not just paper them over uh, and say, you know, you shouldn't worry about that. Right? And and I say this out of love because these are, and I use the word truly, friends. Uh, I I have friends um, who are pushing back on this piece because there is a passion to maintain fair free transit. And I've shared with these friends, look, I kind of lean in that direction myself, not just from a social benefit standpoint, but from a business standpoint. But we can't, we can't, we do this a lot. We do this a lot because we politicize issues. We, we get so passionate about the end result that we wanna see that we end up either accidentally or on purpose telling people that what they see isn't actually happening. Right? Like we did this with inflation for a while. I know this is zooming way back out to the the national level. There was a time in this country where we said that inflation that you're feeling, we're sorry about it, but you're just not seeing the full picture. The economy is doing really good. That pain you're feeling... Is not, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, the full picture. And it's like you can sit in an office in Washington, D.C., and you can look at all your maps, but don't tell the person paying more at the gas pump that they don't feel the financial pain they're feeling. So we do this in politics, we do this with issues. We feel so passionate uh, about what we want to see happen that we inadvertently paper over the problem and tell people that what they're seeing, hearing, and feeling isn't actually happening. And I think that's what we've done with this issue, right? And whether we do fares or we do free fares or we do something in between, we're gonna have to address the safety issue. We're gonna have to address the enforcement and accountability issues of who gets to, um, uh, uh, of who in terms of their behavior gets to ride our buses and our transit. Uh, and when the social contract is broken, what happens? And I'll go to break on this. I feel like we often try, you know, to build a yacht when the boat we have has holes in it. We try to reinvent the wheel on issues uh, when the car itself won't run. And I think before we figure out what is the next step for our transit system, and I could say this about a number of issues, we have to figure out how to maintain the system we have. We we try to reinvent the wheel on shaky foundations. I think a lot, and this is many communities, all communities, but certainly here at home in Tucson, we have to figure out the p's and q's. We have to manage what we have to be able to rethink and to innovate what we have into the future. And I think in Tucson, we often try to do the reinvent, rethink part without maintaining the system that we have and making sure that it works. So some some further thoughts, some further thoughts. We're gonna go to our final break of the hour. When we come back, Ruben Navarrete, uh, why is the public's trust in the media eroding? That on the other side, don't go anywhere.
1: trusted local
0: news and talk.
1: With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 Night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at FCTucson.com and Let's Pack Kino Stadium this season. That's FCTucson.com. Is your 8th or ninth grader looking for a hands-on learning program that includes lots of art? Then Desert Sage School, a new tuition-free public charter high school at 3434 East Broadway, is for you. Desert Sage is innovative and is now enrolling 9th and 10th graders for the upcoming school year. Go to DesertSageSchool.org, where the first 125 students to register will be accepted. Desert Sage is the first public Waldorf-inspired charter high school in Southern Arizona, where teachers genuinely listen to and care for each student's unique gifts. Get your child enrolled today at DesertSageSchool.org.
3: We have exciting news to share here at Impact of Southern Arizona. We have expanded our food bank into a grocery shopping style experience where over 500 families a month come in for food, clothing, and support. Now, Impact needs you. Can you or your business put on a food drive for food and hygiene items that others would normally go without? Learn more and contact us at www.impactsoaz.org.
2: time with Devon and her team.
0: Zach Yenzer here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, little hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love?
4: This is Bill Buckmaster. Are we seeing a new wave of COVID? Buckmaster at noon on 1030
0: KVOI. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning. We are live out of the Common Workspace studios listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. Today is eat whatever you want day. Apparently, we're all celebrating it. Uh, visit Decibel Coffee Works on 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach So for 10% off your next order, coffee drinks, beans, pastries, ice cream, is coming on its way uh, check them out and support a great local team and a great local business we are now uh, live for the last segment here with Ruben Navarrete the most widely read uh, Latino columnist in the country syndicated across many platforms you'll recognize host of his own podcast Ruben in the center Ruben as always good to be with you thanks for being with us
4: Zach if this is eating anything I want day I want a little love burger
0: Come on come on down. I think uh, you're, what, about six hours away? Come on down. I'll get you one.
4: (laughs) That's right. We'll take two, you and me.
0: I love it. It's going to happen one day. You're going to make the trip, and I'm going to get you a little love burger at some point. Um, You wrote a really insightful piece, Ruben, uh, the other day that I wanted to talk with you about here on air uh, to prevent further erosion of the public's trust. The media tasked with refereeing gladiator matches has to stay out of the arena. Your title was, if the public is ever going to regain trust in media, referees can't choose sides. And Ruben, I'm watching the Phoenix Suns-Dallas Mavericks uh, uh, NBA semifinals series, and uh, that means something to me. I think the referees pick a side about every game, and it's kind of weird to me. Referees (laughs) can't choose sides Ruben, um, you've been in the media for a while. Tell me more.
4: So this is a, kind of a nuanced column. It was one that I, I wanted to write. I couldn't shake it. I, I had my doubts even as I pushed send to send it to my editor. I thought, you know what? My editor's going to write me back and say, I'm not clear about the premise here. Explain this to me. Defend it. And uh, she did, and I had to. Uh, and, and the reason is it goes like this. First of all, you have to start off with this idea that even though when you re- when you host a radio talk show, or you write a column you have to have opinions on lots of things but every since we're all human beings since we're all you know journalists or or commentators there are going to be those certain issues that uh really we can't be objective about and for uh, some latinos that might be an issue like immigration for african-americans it might be police brutality and violence and for a lot of women i know who are in the business of journalism it's uh it's pro-life pro-choice it's abortion and so uh, this particular editorial that I read in the Los Angeles Times on May 3rd caught my attention because, like the L.A. Times editorial board, um, it is which is headed by women and populated by many women and, and, and men as well, they're all pro-choice. I'm pro-choice. Uh, and yet, so you wouldn't think I'd have much of a beef with the editorial. But the beef I had with it was it seemed to advocate at the end beyond sort of uh, the soft advocacy that they teach you on the editorial board. You must Tucson, vote for this person for Tucson mayor. Uh, City council should fix these potholes on this street. Uh, And it went to a kind of hard advocacy where it tries to rally the troops in favor of of, uh, preserving Roe versus Wade. And that just rubbed me the wrong way. I don't think that's good journalism.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I I, I think you touched on it, but what I took from this uh, piece was you know, even the editorial board, whose job it is to kind of come down on one side um, and give an opinion, I think just to clarify your challenge with the Los Angeles Times with a recent piece about uh, about the potential decision that is being championed by Justice Alito um, was that uh, it kind of had this line of "That's great, but it's not enough," and you wrote, yeah. "Oh dear." Right about there, I started to get nervous. This is you writing. How much further did the editorial board want to go? A few steps too far, uh, it turns out, and it started getting into electoral get-out-the-vote advocacy. Yeah, and that that is where that is where the page turned for you, right?
4: Yeah, that crosses the line. I, here's here's the subtle difference. If the um, Tucson paper or the um, you know Phoenix paper or the LA paper wants to say. Vote for John Smith for mayor. He's the best choice. There's a whole debate that goes on. I, I was part of three, uh, two editorial boards at three newspapers over 10 years. I wrote 1,500 editorials. There's a debate going on forever about whether we should be endorsing people, you know, because once you endorse somebody in the mayor's race, it makes it very difficult for your reporter to go out there and cover his opponent's race, you see, uh, without being accused of being biased. Uh, but aside from that, there's a difference between saying vote for John Smith for mayor and it's really important that the people of Tucson rally, that they go out and vote for this particular agenda, that they protest in the streets. That is more like a general commanding troops. And that's my problem with it. That's the line I think that, that is difficult. It's like Potter Stewart said about pornography. Mm-hmm. I can't define it, but I know it when I see it.
2: Mm-hmm. And what
4: I read in this editorial, with you know, the premise of which I agreed with as a pro-choicer, was people stopped, they stopped being journalists and they started to get in the arena and suddenly there a commanding general saying, go to the right, go to the left, go to this flank. <laughs> That's not your job.
0: Mm. You know, this makes me think of another story that is, um, I think, uh, starting to see its own uh, kind of time in the sun. It wasn't an editorial-related piece, uh, but I think the, the story around Hunter Biden... Um, you know, which has come up since Elon Musk, right. uh, especially since right, Elon right, Musk right. has bought Twitter. You know, that came out what Ruben a couple of weeks um, before the election in 2020. Um, I'm normally skeptical uh, of of items that come across as kind of you know this stuff you might find in a newspaper in the checkout aisle, um, and so, so I, I don't think that I put a ton of stock into it then. But I think what we're starting to find is that the legacy media became a referee in that story or or chose sides in that story um that there should have been more coverage and more discussion of it broadly um, than what it received right and, right and, and I think that's another example of we really see media now taking sides right and left referees right. are choosing sides what do you think
4: that's exactly right there's the right-wing media the left-wing media you know fox news might have a scandal involving trump and say, hey there's nothing to see here there's nothing to see here you know there's nothing wrong here and then i flip over to cnn and they're playing it up big it's like watergate right and then vice versa when democrats get into trouble when you say the hunter the hunter biden story we have to be clear about what that story was because at first glimpse for people who paid partial attention or no attention at all to that story it's about a young man who had a difficult life uh, and who, you know, is a moral degenerate in some ways. Okay? who uh, that's, That may be harsh to some people. He dealt with addiction issues. Uh, his relationship with women was not good. Some of the things he did and taped and videotaped and preserved for posterity should not have been preserved for posterity. Um, but, that's, but there was something more to that story. It was about his relationship to Ukraine. His relationship Mm -hmm. to China, whether or not uh, he traded on uh, his dad being vice president at the time, whether or not the vice president at the time got a prosecutor fired in Ukraine uh, to protect his son. These were all very substantive issues, right? That should have been discussed. And they never got discussed because the media, as you said, they they swooped in and protected Biden. Um, So, yeah, there is a sense among a lot of people that the media is broken. It's biased. It's corrupt. It's an arm of the Democratic Party. And editorials like the one in the L.A. Times do not help because they basically say, yeah, we're in. Deal us in, man. We're we're in this game, and we're no longer content to be a referee. We're going to be in the arena, and we're going to start directing people. And it's just somehow that a local conservative paper like the New York Post had said, you know, it's really important that people go down to the border and protest. Well, that's not really your role. (laughs) I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. There's a line there. You just crossed it, pal. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. And again, Ruben, I want to say, and I think a lot of my listeners know by now, but, uh, you know, the the nature of Radio Ruben people kind of kind of come in and out often, you know, for someone to bring up the Hunter Biden story, anyone who brings that up is kind of characterized um, in a certain kind of political camp. I'm a registered uh, independent. Uh, I don't know what your registration is, Ruben, but you uh, attempt to be an independent journalistic voice. My interest is in in the integrity of the fourth estate. And I think we have to call the shots that we see as we see them, whether it's Fox News doing it or the New York Times doing it. We have to have a strong fourth estate in this country, and we just don't anymore. And we have to repair that, I think, if this country is going to be effective. Um, yeah, what do you think? I'm,
4: I'm a, a member. Of, I'm a member of the HVP, which is I hate both parties. Uh, that's how I register. Um, I usually can't tell them apart when they're in power. They tend to act like the other party did when they were in power. And um, you know, I think that's, it's terrible that the media isn't more reflective of that. There should be more of a speaking to people in the middle. For instance, on abortion, we're a pro-choice country. My pro-life uh, friends don't like hearing that, but too bad. As you and I have spoken about before on the show. But so we're a pro-life, country, a pro-choice country with restrictions. And we support restrictions on abortion. We don't want to be rude inappropriate, appropriate countries all. There's some hardcore pro-choicers in my camp who fight me over the restrictions. Well, looks too bad. The country is where it is, pro-choice with restrictions. I do not see that point of view, Zach, reflected in the media. I only see the two views of hard pro-choice and hard pro-life. And so the middle, Ruben in the center typically doesn't get enough enough coverage mm-hmm. in our media. If you're looking for a bias, folks, that's where the bias is. It's not that the media is pro blue or pro red. It's anti-center.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. I uh I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. Ruben uh, where can people find what you've written, or where can people find Ruben in the Center, your podcast?
4: Right, I write a lot. I write a lot for the Daily Beast and for other publications. You can find me at Um Columns out all the time. Uh, we're like Seven Eleven; we never close. <laughs> uh,
0: what, do you, what, do you, what do you write on? Uh, what do you write on your social media? Mucha Chamba is that? Uh...
4: Mucha Chamba, which means, uh, means much work. It's uh, much farm you know Top casino slang for a lot of work, baby. Much work. Mucha chamba.
0: Ruben never, Ruben never stops uh, and gets hit from both directions in the center. Ruben, as always, thanks for your insight. Thanks for coming on this show to share it with us here in Tucson and Southern Arizona. And we'll, we'll do it again soon, as we always do.
4: Thanks, Zach.
0: Thank you, sir. That's Ruben Navarrete, the most widely read Latino columnist in the country, uh, syndicated across many platforms. Uh, He advises us on his view of national issues from his perch uh, in sunny Southern California. Tucson, that does it for us. Hugh Hewitt's up next. Bill Buckmaster at noon. When we come back tomorrow, we'll talk more about the Space City of the Southwest with a special guest. Uh, By the way, we have the City of Tucson, Director of Economic Initiatives, on Friday, as well as Rob Elias, the President of the Tucson Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. It's Economic Development Week. Tucson, we'll see you on Thursday. Take care out there.